and welcome to a brand new episode of NFL Only Better. I'm Kieran O'Connor, joined by John Baff and Mike Carlson, and we are live with our mid-season preview <laughs> review thing. Isn't this week <laughs> ten or something like that? <laughs> no, we, you may you may know that if you've joined us for the previous seasons, that there's always a slight argument about when the mid-season is, and of course, we really probably should have done it last week, but. Uh, we held off uh, due to some stuff in the Colts and some of the we wanted to get more in on the on the prices and where they were going to settle. And then, of course, I just I just happened to mention that I mean the Eagles could lose. You did mention that, and like, what happened, Kieran? Well, I mean they they, they lost. I think <laughs> we had I think every... we had general agreement on on Washington and the points being yeah that was my I, being, yeah, yeah. A, yeah. A good I wish bet. I went with that with my best bet as a matter of fact. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Surprised uh, that they that lost one. to like I surprised they lost. I mean, we obviously the well, spread was large enough. Yeah, I had predicted that they would lose to Tennessee would be their first loss of the season. And strangely enough, I think Washington played a very Tennessee-like game. Um, you know, controlling the ball as much as possible on the ground. The first half was insane in that game. You know, they ran the the um the, the commies ran. 51 plays in the first half and, and they had 24 minutes of possession, 24 to six in possession, Crazy, yeah. um, you know, and that, that was the way, you know, the Eagles defense was not playing. They looked flat to be honest um, as, as a team, both offensively and defensively. Uh, and, you know, last week, Washington had nearly beaten Minnesota. You know, they were unlucky in a lot of ways to, to lose that game. So I think we undervalued them a lot. Their defense is playing really well. They play better with Taylor Henneke than they did with Carson Wentz. Um, you know, and luckily this wasn't Wentz ball um, yeah. because I think that then the Eagles would have won. And, and Henneke, Henneke makes mistakes because I think he's smart enough to know where to throw the ball make the more or less the right decisions, but he isn't good enough all the time to get the ball where he wants it to go. You know, he, and he's been lucky a couple of times this year that we've seen, I think where he's been hit as he throws, or, you know, there's not enough mustard on the ball, but he gets there anyway. But, you know, in, in some situations that's going to hurt you, but he basically makes the right decisions and does what they want. And the team actually, you know, seems to just play better with him. So you know, Washington's not five and five, they're a contender. Well, plenty of contenders actually this season. As it's been <laughs> yeah. a tough season uh, for us, like it's a tough season for us. It's probably the hardest one that we've done so far since we started this show. I think this is our fourth season uh, with picking winners. It does. There's not that many streaky teams. You would say, obviously, the Eagles have done that, and we've talked about how teams like the Falcons have been kind of top of that against the spread charts. But mm-hmm. here's what we're going to do today. We're, I'm going to give you the prices for the AFC. I'm going to give you the prices for the NFC. And I'm going to give you the prices for the Super Bowl. And you boys are going to mine. Like Bitcoin, Mike, which we tried to explain to him just before the show started. <laughs> data data <laughs> mining. That might take a little bit longer, to be honest. That, was, that is not an episode you want to listen to. <laughs> um, the AFC, the betting, the Buffalo Bills are 15 to 8. The Kansas City Chiefs are 9 to 4. The Baltimore Ravens are 13 to 2. The Miami Dolphins are 8 to 1. The Bengals are 12s. The Titans are 16s. The Chargers are 18s. New England, who snuck into the playoff picture this weekend. Not sure if everyone spotted that, but they are now in. Well, having a bye was a good is a good strategy this year. <laughs> they just they, like they woke up on Monday morning and they're like, oh look, we're in the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, twenty five to one. The New York Jets are twenty five to one, and it's sixty six bars. Obviously, it's big prices. Uh, the rest. So, AFC looking ahead to the playoffs, we're looking at Bills, Chiefs. I'll go down to where it says Bills, Chiefs, Ravens, Dolphins, Bengals, Titans, Chargers, Patriots, Jets. Your AFC Championship winner comes from one of those teams, gentlemen. Who is it going to be? John Buff, start us off, kick us off. It's, you know, it's. I was thinking about this, you know. I, I really I hope so. You have yeah, to yeah, I, I don't see. <laughs> there, there's a temptation, I suppose, to go a little bit colder on Buffalo, um, given, you know. Two now, losses in spin, Two maybe? losses in a row. They're third in their division. Like, as it stands, they'll be looking at sort of a wild card thing. But, I'm, you know, that's that's. Things can drastically change between now and when the playoff picture kind of cements up in a few weeks' time. But um, yeah, they're like first off, I think we should just nod towards how sheer how much sheer entertainment we got from that Bills Vikings game at the weekend. Particularly the last couple of minutes was just you know basically as dramatic as this sport can be. It was brilliant. But having said that, I still don't think, despite them showing some frailties like that, I still don't think that it's fair to really pull away too much from the Bills. Uh, as as the as the favorites to win the Super Bowl, more so, I, I think it's probably fair to say though that there's contenders that you know they're probably a little bit closer to them than we'd imagine. Like it's 
the Bills and the Chiefs are kind of like a pick at this point for the AFC, the way I see it at the minute. And there's a handful of other, other contenders going on there at the minute. The, I'm quite high on the, um, the Dolphins at the moment. I think they have kind of pushed themselves into contention uh, over on, on that side of the draw as well. So I still, yeah, I, I'm going Bills, Chiefs in that order. I don't really see any reason to change thus far, but I think there's maybe a little bit further down the rankings that like with our dark horses and things like that, maybe some new, new uh, contenders have emerged. But right now I'm, I'm still thinking Bills. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with John, although I like the Chiefs better at this point. You know, you don't read too much into beating Jacksonville, for example. Um, and, and you could argue that they had the game in control. You could also argue that they probably could have won, but should have won by more. Um, with Buffalo, I don't know whether there's a problem with Josh Allen physically or whether there's just, you know, that they've reached a limit as to what he can and can't do himself. I think they do lack that go, uh, red zone running presence that they need. Allen last year was phenomenal in the red zone, both passing and running. This year he has not been. He's made a lot of mistakes. I thought the arguably the biggest mistake apart from the fumble um, was not kicking a field goal when they had fourth and goal at the two and Allen threw an interception. And I'm not doing that on outcome bias. I was screaming at them, just take the three points, put more pressure on Minnesota because they're not going to be able to handle it. And what I think this, I, what was the score at that point, Mike? 27 to 17, I think it was. Yeah, you push it out to be on two scores, don't you? Yeah. You know, I thought I thought that was, you know, that was probably the right thing to do. Um, but all that said, I, I just want to see Josh Allen, you know, what what he is coming back. And, you know, um, the defense, I still think is okay. But when they need Milano, but Milano was there against Minnesota and they still they still lost. I, I if you wanted to chase an outside bet, I'm I'm not convinced by Miami's defense. Um, although if they put lots of points on the board, and, and I was very impressed by the way, once they had a lead, they ran the ball and ran the ball and ran the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with the with Wilson and Mostert, who who what was it three years ago, four years ago, were San Francisco's. Um, running, running back. Yeah, think about that. Actually, you know, yeah, someone, funny. someone pointed out that the Shanahan's since like 2003 or something have never had the same since Terrell Davis, basically mm-hmm. father and son. The same runner has never led the team in rushing for two years in a row. <laughs> and, you know, and this year will probably be McCaffrey in the end. Um, but they've got Elijah Mitchell back, so they could afford, I suppose, to lose Wilson. But I like Baltimore if you were going to you know, look at an outside bet right now. Their first half's been erratic. They're coming off a bye, but I think they were starting to put the defense into play. I think, you know, new defensive coordinator, I think they were starting to to get that down. Roquan Smith helps them out a lot. Um, And they should not. It's funny because if you ask me for a second dark horse, I might say Cincinnati. But I'm I'm not convinced that Cincinnati is going to be able to turn the corner um, this season. One thing I was going to say before you jump back in there, Kieran, as well, it's almost more telling to not just speak about, you know, the contenders and the dark horses, but kind of who's not in contention, I think, is also kind of equally interesting at at this point of the season. Because you have, let me see, the the Buccaneers, the Packers, the Saints. Yeah, it's funny. It's the the NFC where, you know, where nothing's going according to Don't skip ahead, John. (laughs) (laughs) But I I think it, it should color how you kind of survey the rest of the season because... Usually at this point of the year, at least in the last couple of years, seasons at least anyway, you know, we'd be talking about the Buccaneers right now. We'd be talking about Brady down the stretch or we'd be talking about an Aaron Rodgers. Can he fulfill another MVP season and drag the team to another playoff run? Or, you know, I mean, I think we kind of saw the Saints coming a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I just think that is kind of fascinating. And, look, yeah, the Rams especially, who all of a sudden now have essentially the worst offense in the NFL in terms of, you know, points Stop the the ahead. per play. <laughs> but I just think <laughs> I just think that's an interesting thing to, to okay. think about. I'll go yeah, to well, you. We, I'll are review, you we are reviewing. Right? Well, we're just on the AFC You're talking right previews. We're talking review. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a difference. This was another point of contention this, that the listeners don't need to know about. What's the difference between a preview and a review? Um, uh, so, look, when we did our season preview, n- neither of you could really see beyond the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs. And from what I'm hearing from you is they are they are they're shoulders ahead. Um, one team that I'm going to throw in, and we did it last week, so I just they've lost since we spoke about them last week. But of course, everyone's sort of dark horse was uh, the LA Chargers, uh, who are now eighteen to one. 
but they are starting supposedly to get these players back, obviously, that they need, which is those two wide receivers who changed the game for them. Um, they're they're second in their division. Um, do do we see them making any sort of a move? Because neither of you have mentioned them or the Ravens. Those teams you don't think will. I get mentioned involved. the Ravens. Oh, did you? I thought yeah. you already just that was said my dark horse. That was my current dark horse pick. I think oh, they, they could turn it around. Chargers in a given any given game can beat you. Um, I think because the the star quality is really good. They do have to have Mike Williams back. I think. Um, but Herbert is so good as a quarterback. Um, and the pass rush with Bosa and Mac you know, could can get to you and create some turnovers. They've got a couple of other very talented defensive players. But overall, they're weak defensively. Uh, you can run them. Their offensive line is much, much better than it was, but it's still not first class. They depend so much on Austin Eckler to do everything that the rest of the offense can't do. Yeah, yeah. Um, that, that, you know, I, I just don't see them having the wherewithal to be able to you know, to win those, win those big games, but in any given game, they could, they could surprise, they could really surprise you. I think they're one of the worst in the league at defending against the run as well. I think they, they are. Let, they, they let teams really come through them a bit like butter. Yeah. Uh, okay. I'm not surprised by that. Bills and Chiefs, it's going to be one of them probably to win the AFC, one of them in the Super Bowl, 15 to 8, 9 to 4. Take a pick right now. Let's go to the NFC, guys, where, I mean, if we just mentioned in the AFC that everything is exactly as we sort of thought it would be, it's very much not the case. Thanks for spoiling all of that, John, a couple of minutes ago. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> the Philadelphia Eagles are your current NFC uh, favorites at 2-1. to one. The San Francisco 49ers are 4-1. to one. The Minnesota Vikings 9-2. The Dallas Cowboys 13-2. Tampa Bay Buccaneers 7-2. to 18-1 about the Seahawks. 20-1 to one about the Giants, which may surprise a few. Um, and then 33's bar. And that includes, John, as as you kind of spoiled earlier, spoiled yeah, alert kind of thing. That, that includes Packers, Rams, and Saints. They're going nowhere, it seems. That's true, yeah. And then the yeah. other thing you just mentioned there, I didn't kind of really think about it until I heard you call out the odds there, Karen. But is anyone else surprised that San Francisco are ahead of Minnesota? I was that's what I was about to say. Yeah. Um I mean, I don't. I wouldn't argue with it particularly. Yeah, I mean, if you, um, I, if you, on one hand, like if you kind of look at the rosters just from a brass tax kind of way, it's like, oh yeah, the 49ers have a bunch of great players. They should be, and like they are, they're definitely improving. They're, they're playing well. But like Minnesota last weekend, beating the Super Bowl favorites at Buffalo, that we we kind of unanimously agree, or at least you know one of the top two favorites. No, nobody will disagree with that. And you know, they're the only team that have beaten the Vikings this season are the, uh, at the time, undefeated Eagles. So, I mean, there's there's some caliber there. You know, they, they still, you know, they, they still don't look like a completely polished unit. They don't look like, an, you know, one of the all-time great teams or anything like that. But they're, if, I mean, they're consistent if nothing else. They're getting these results. And that's the yeah, hardest and thing to do in football. Like, like I said, they, they were lucky to beat Washington. They were lucky to beat Buffalo in the last two weeks. So I think I think people are, no, are sort of, figuring that and and they don't trust Kirk Cousins obviously which which is we're in a quarterback central world but but at the same time you know Jimmy G it's is the same story I I I thought this week that he seemed to be asserting himself more against the Chargers um a little bit trying to make more plays and and thereby making a few mistakes as well but it, it was kind of like he he thought he thought it was time for him to be carrying you know carrying his weight on the team. But as they, you know, Eliza Mitchell looked fine coming back for injury. McCaffrey's obviously integrating well in that. Um, Debo was back and, you know, doing doing his stuff. They're a pretty well-balanced team. And when the whole defense is, is healthy, it's a really good defense. You know, one of the best in the league. And they played really well. They shut out the Chargers in the second half, even though Dre Greenlaw had been thrown out of the game. Okay. No, I, I, I was just trying to figure out what way you were going to go there, Mike, to be honest. Yeah. Well, it, it's it's funny because, you know, of, of those teams you'd expect, uh, Tampa, I think, will get better second half of the season and they have an easy schedule. I, I think you can pencil them in, you know, for the division championship. And, and um, I noticed that Brady is starting to rediscover Scotty Miller who who yeah. might help solve some of their problems receiving wise simply that he's a a target that they in a way they need somebody who can do the stuff that he can do you know? he almost he almost killed him uh in munich <laughs> with one of the passes well that and brady like five, six, brady's something. starting to look like an automaton um 
and I don't mean that as an insult, but but he seems to me to be processing a little bit slower. And, you know, the interception was the play that I really noticed it on. Cameron Brait down the middle of the field, seeing Buster, the way Gronk would run. And Brady, he was like Brady's third read. And each time Brady read, he moves and resets, which is typical Brady. But it takes him a little bit more time. You, you can just see it looks so much more deliberate um, as he resets to throw. So he was perfectly reset and he threw what was a zippy ball over the middle. But of course, there was a linebacker in between who I don't think he had noticed, which is very un-Brady. And he didn't have any air under the ball. So Barton jumped up and caught it. And uh, Brait was free for a touchdown if he just, you know, put, puts it up a little bit. So, uh, you know, I, I think Tampa's got the quality to be able to do that. If they can run the ball like they did in Munich, um, although Seattle, you know, Seattle surprised me by being not so great defensively. Particularly um, poor game for them. Yeah. I, that's the worst we've seen them play this season. Yeah. But, again, you know, like we said, I think on the, I think all of us agree, you know, it, it's so hard to bet the, the overseas games. Yeah. Because you just, you don't know teams often come out flat, often come out, you know, not playing as well as you would have thought uh, the announcers made a lot of the surface, but, you know, in a, in a world where, where grass is the problem and, and artificial turf isn't, <laughs> I don't want to live in that world. Um, and so I, I guess the other, the other wild card is green Bay. Ooh, Actually, now we're, they, now we're cooking. What yeah. Are they I mean, Do you have their 33, there? come on, Mike, yeah. tell well, this to me. No, I, I'm not saying that, that they're a bet for that, but as opposed to the Rams, say, who are terrible, Green Bay still has potential. You know, if Green Bay, if, if Rodgers and LaFleur can, can get on the same page, and I don't think either of them are on the right page, you know, they're, yeah. they're on two wrong pages, and <laughs> the right page is somewhere in between them. But, you know, when they... They were running. They were doing what they were. They should have been doing for a long time. Is concentrating on the run, you know, and, and letting letting Roger. What did Rogers throw? Twenty passes in that game. Yeah, eleven you know, during the. Yeah, I think in they're the not. They're not a team. They're not a team that's going to win games with Rogers throwing the ball thirty-five times. But they've got two fine running backs. You know, they've got a great running back in Aaron Jones and a really good you know power runner in AJ Dillon. They should be using using them a lot more. Um, making their offensive lines life a little, a little bit easier, you know, and, you know, I don't know. I, well, I know what Rogers said to LaFleur on that third down, they didn't convert. I'm not quite sure what, what the reason was, you know, whether he wanted them to call a running play or whether he wanted them to call something that wasn't a rinky dinky play action pass, but, you know, but I still think green Bay is going to be an interesting one to watch. Um, and San Francisco, Minnesota, both have the quarterback thing. That's going to be, that's going to be kind of like where where they sit. Will the quarterback take them, take them uh, further than that? And Dallas, of course, will be a tease. You notice how Kieran is in love with the teases. He loves Dallas. He loves Jimmy G. You know, the, the shiny, handsome, you know, kind of kind of team player. He's got a type. He's got a type. <laughs> the shiny hood ornament. It's oh, the yeah. funniest thing you've ever said in the show, Mike. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, well, I was going to ask about Dallas, but now we have our our, our answer. Oh, by the way, like I think I'm going to come in with my my tuppence here. Please, the San Francisco 49ers are the best in this at the moment. Like the the players, if everyone is fit, that roster is a Super Bowl winning roster. It's, they they have a good defense. They have a good run game, which is crucial this season. And in Jimmy G, they've kind of got, like, I don't think he's a great quarterback in terms of what his passing ability, but he's, he's kind of like. But he's, he's so of, handsome. But he's so yeah. handsome, yeah. <laughs> but he's kind of kind of like Brady robotic. Like, he's kind he's, of a robot. He, he knows he's, the system. He's a system QB, he's, really. Yeah. He's very capable of throwing the ball, like, to get a first down 10 or 15 yards if they tell him to do it in a slam pass. He's extremely capable of turning around and handing the ball to someone. <laughs> um, mm. And that may be all it needs to win this year's Super Bowl. Well, Unless the, you play the yeah. Bills on a really good day in the Super Bowl. Like, the Bills could rip them apart on a really strong day. But if it was KC-San Fran, I think San Fran would do them this time. But yeah, The interesting I mean, they, thing... Go sorry, ahead, John. I was just going to make a small point there, is that, like, 
the hierarchy within San Francisco clearly think that they're in the position to go deep into this because you don't like that's what the Christian McCaffrey trade told me. Like you don't get a player what like a get, him. Like, and he, what a get. Yeah, like a fantastic, absolutely brilliant, brilliant player to bring in, but you don't give away that sort of draft cap. Like they didn't give, give away the sun, Earth, and the stars for him or anything like that, but like a second and a th- like they gave away a bunch for him anyway, at least. But you don't make that sort of move unless you think you're going to get an immediate return on it this season, or at least put you in a position to have a chance of making an immediate return. So they, you can, you can really, really tell that they feel that their some of their injuries are kind of coming back now, and and they're 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 reloading with the likes of McCaffrey and they still have Debo and, and George Kittle looks healthy again. And exactly, I, mean, yeah. I would have loved to have seen uh, just the final thing I'll say on the 49ers. I would have loved to have seen what would have happened if Trey Lance hadn't got injured. And it, indeed, like, was he, is he the guy? Was he the guy? It was just so unfortunate for him to get injured in the second game of the season. Cause that look, he's a very, he's still, you know, he's tremendously unproven. He's, he was talented in college and all that sort of stuff, but he's a really different type of player to Jimmy Garoppolo. So I wonder, I would have loved to have seen, you know, eight, nine, ten games into the season, how Trey Lance was playing. Mike, do you, do you think that which, uh, that that which, with McCaffrey that they had seen that the that that some yeah. of those bigger teams that we mentioned aren't doing well? The San Francisco Forty Nineers, they were like, well, we've got a really good chance here. Like, you know, like ba- Packers don't look great, Rams don't look great, Bucks don't look great. You know, we're no. we're here. No, and they like I'm agreeing with John. They they went all in basically on McCaffrey. They they got rid of Wilson with which is really going to probably help Miami um, as, as a result. And I think that they, if they play Philadelphia, Philadelphia home field advantage is going to help them a bit. Um, I think San Francisco is a better team on a, on a faster surface. Um, You know, if they play in bad weather or, or whatever, that's going to, but Philadelphia is still really solid on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, they've, they've done a great job of creating an offense that, that, uh, Hertz can run. Uh, you know, I just think they, they came out with a flat day against Washington and Washington's good defense, a good defensive team, um, with a couple of really good offensive players like McLaurin, who doesn't get anywhere near the recognition that he, that he deserves. Um, and I think the same is true of Buffalo, you know, Buffalo really need home field advantage, um, I think in in the playoffs, the one place they might not need is Kansas City. But I I wouldn't bet on them to go into Kansas City and win a second time this season. I don't think. Mm, okay. Well, look. So it's a it's a bit more wide open in the NFC, shall we say, than than we are. But I'm going to give you the the Super Bowl odds now. So the Buffalo Bills are seven to two. The Kansas City Chiefs are nine to two. So yes, the two teams in the AFC are both favorites for the Super Bowl which means obviously whoever wins the AFC should be one of them, which we fully expect to do, will go into the Super Bowl favourites. Depending on who they play, we'll probably decide how big the spread will be. Uh, but the Philadelphia Eagles are 6-1, to one, the San Francisco 49ers are 8-1, to one, the Vikings are 10, the Ravens are 12s, Cowboys 14s, and then I'll just go to 16s. 16s about Dolphins and Bucks. Have what you like on the rest, is what I'm saying. So the, the value is in, I suppose the value right now is in, it, whoever, if you think someone's going to win the NFC, you should probably also look at having a small wager on them to win the Super Bowl because they're at such a big price now. Because like the, the sixes, eights, tens about the NFC teams to win the Super Bowl right now. And I mean, it's one game. You know, I mean, we've seen upsets in it all the time. Um, in, in a sh- very short period before we get on to some of this week's games, guys, who's going to win the Super Bowl? At the moment, I'd probably take the Chiefs. Um, their defense doesn't quite convince me. It's a bit gambly, but they have the advantage of, in most games, having the potential to build up a big lead. And then Mike, then Steve Spagnolo can go crazy with blitzes and stuff like that um, if, if he wants to. And I think Chris Jones all of a sudden is playing as well as any defensive lineman in the league, um, except maybe for Dexter Lawrence and one or two, one or two others. Um, so that would be, and I think your strategy is probably right. You know, look, look to both conferences um, if you're betting the Super Bowl now, because the value is going to be in that second, mm-hmm. that second, Absolutely. that second pick. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, I'm going to stick with, I said it, you know, on our preview show at the start of the season, I don't really see any reason to change just yet. So I'll stick with the Buffalo Bills to win the Super Bowl. 
you know, you're not going to get fantastic odds on it because they are the favorites. But um, if you're looking for a slightly more of a, are we doing a dark horse thing? I suppose. Go on, yeah, I'll let you. I'll let you have your dark horse. Yeah. It would, like, well, the dark horse that I picked as well was the Eagles, and I don't even think they really qualify as a dark no. horse anymore. Yeah, no, they, they don't. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I still think now it is a dark horse for the entire NFL, and not necessarily the the NFC. So, I'm going to go with um, the Dolphins, sixteen to one, as my as my new Ooh. dark horse. I just think there's something <laughs> is, going on. This is turning into the Grand National. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> which is i think what the nfl wants you know they they, they want a league of parody where, where yeah. you know or where you get like i don't know 26 of the 32 teams finish either seven and nine or sorry um eight and nine or nine and eight uh you know and then you got a couple of really good ones and a couple of really bad ones you know and then everybody exactly. makes the playoffs and gets a participation trophy and yeah. <laughs> i think that's the nfl's dream my the, the, my best bet i think would be which network does Sean McVay go to yeah, exactly. <laughs> next season? <laughs> because look at the Rams are a mess, as you have said, <laughs> and everybody agrees. They have no draft capital. Um, they have Cooper a couple Cubs of big name players who they could generate some, you know, trade or draft capital by getting rid of um, Jalen Ramsey in particular, you know, maybe Aaron Donald, but you know, Losing Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald would be a yeah. death blow. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, wh what are they going to do? You know, how are they going to rebuild rebuild this team? And I don't know if, if Sean McVay is going to want to be the guy who tries to take them through a rebuild. You know? Okay. The final thing I'll say before we move on to the previous, the last point I'm going to make in this entire thing about dark horses is I'll just say that the New England Patriots have a winning record and are fifty to one to win the Super Bowl. That just sticks out to me a little bit as well. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're all right there. <laughs> well, let's see how they do against the Jets this week. <laughs> yeah. We're going to talk about that game. But first, we're going to have a quick look at uh, Thursday Night Football, which is Tennessee Titans taking on the Green Bay Packers. 11-8 Titans. The Packers are 8-13. Three-point spread. 41 is the over-under. Now, gentlemen, this has happened before to, to me and, and, and in general in the NFL, where midway through the fourth quarter, it looks like the team is in complete control of a game. And go on to lose said game. It's happened quite a number of times this season. <laughs> yeah. But another glaring example of it was surely Dallas losing to the Packers when they were two scores up in the fourth quarter. First and time that's ever happened in the Cowboys history. Is that so? I didn't know that. Yeah, they were 164 or 5 and 0 when they led by two, two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. That's crazy. I mean, they looked good. They looked like the better side for most of the game and they end up losing and that's what green bay do this season they just stick around don't they mike they do well they do and they don't but um, <laughs> you know, if you let them <laughs> stick around you're 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 in a certain amount of danger i i mean if you want an excuse i thought the non-call on jair alexander was maybe the worst of all the non-calls um of the weekend in in terms of pass interference um on cd early. on cd lamb they you know they could have called him for holding they could have uh before the throw it was to me it was it was like textbook pass interference after the throw um and it went on call that would have given the the cowboys the win basically because they would have been in field goal position and 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 they could have they could have closed out the game but having said having said that they they're not great closers are they um and dak dak doesn't look on that spectrum of quarterbacks, uh, you know, who were supposed to be really good this year and haven't been, he's he's more on the Russell Wilson end of the spectrum than than um, than you know than on the positive side. Um, he's been much better than Russell Wilson, but still, uh, you know, not not quite. It. And we said a few weeks ago they needed to really continue to play the Cooper Rush game um, game with Dak and not kind of open the game up because Dak is back uh, and they kind of got to the, I know Zeke, Zeke wasn't playing. So, you know, maybe they went away from the run for that reason, but still they're, they like the Packers ought to be running the ball more, to be honest. And, and, you know, and playing a more controlled pass game and not get carried away uh, because in today's NFL, that's what happens when you get carried away with the pass game. You don't know, you know, if a defensive back jumps all over your best receiver, whether or not you'll get that call five years ago, you know, they would have got it automatically. Mm, that's an interesting angle. Actually. Yeah. We like, 
that has to play into like when you're making these calls, like cause it was such a pass heavy league for so long there, you know, like with even going back to Peyton Manning versus Tom Brady and then forward on into like the Brady years, Russ Wilson, the, the even, you know, the Lions with Megatron, just lob it up there and he'll catch it, you know, mm. it's, uh, Randy Moss, people like that, like crazy yeah. wide receivers, like th- th- that days are probably gone for a little bit. There, there were years when the Ravens whole strategy was you send Torrey Smith or someone else really fast downfield and then underthrow him with Joe Flacco. <laughs> and when he comes back for the ball, the defensive back runs into him or jumps on his back or whatever. And you get the interference call. And that was a play. <laughs> <laughs> you know, let, let's get the let's get the pass interference call forty years, yards downfield. They would do that like once a game. You'd see John Harbaugh just thinking that up at bedtime at night. Yeah, just there, like, here we you go. Know, <laughs> you know what? I've just figured out something here. Oh, yeah, uh, Titans are a bit of an odd team, of course. I mean, it, it, it's kind of those things like that. We could all be the offensive coordinator for the Titans because it's you know, turn around and hand it to Derek. <laughs> 56 times a game um, <laughs> and then occasionally don't when like they're all waiting for a run and every wide receiver is wide open <laughs> but it works for them um to varying degrees of uh, they, success they had at times they had five defensive starters out and derrick henry only had 50 yards rushing and they still won and that was my best bet last week <laughs> 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 I said on a on a certain Irish sports show yesterday, I, I said watching Titans games is like that that game in the Invincibles where where Marky Mark shows up in the in the parking lot of some high school or something, and they've got the the cars around it with their lights on so that they can play at night. And you know, it's it's like a slow every Titans game is like that. It's yeah. like it's like it's like a slug fest on the <laughs> and is, they just bring the team down to their level. That's why I think this will be a fascinating Thursday night. Who you got for it, Mike? Game. The Titans plus three is very, very tempting. But um, by by Thursday, I might be beyond to the Packers for this. I think the home field thing will will influence a bit more than, than we think. But you know, Mike Vrabel is working his way into my coach of the year. Well, you know, um, well, he already was in the discussions, but he's kind of Brian Dayball um, didn't convince me last week. So, you know, it's Dayball versus Vrabel for the um, coach of the year. <laughs> John, how you see it going? Uh, I, I'm, I'm Tennessee plus three in this particular one, um, basically for the same. I can't really elaborate too much more upon what Mike has said. The one thing I'll say about Green Bay and particularly with their win last weekend over Dallas was that it did. It, it seemed interesting to me that there, for, for the first time, it seemed like there was a connection between Rodgers and, and Christian Watson. And like they obviously got a bunch of connections to him in that game. So that's sort of hinting that perhaps they might have closed that gap where that has been so evident in that team since Devontae Adams left. Um, so we'll see how that goes. And this will be a good indicator uh, in, a, in a couple of days' time as to how that game or how that, that uh, partnership is looking. But uh, for the time being, I just think the Titans are more... They're more consistent than great, but consistency is difficult to beat sometimes. So I'll, I'll take them. Plus three. Yeah, absolutely. Consistency. And I mean, they've won three in a row. They're six and three now in the season. They're in the AFC South with garbage Colts, Jags, Texans. They're heading for the playoffs. And they cut, they cut Aaron Rodgers' cousin this week, um, Amari, Ro- Amari Rodgers, um, who was who was around three pick just, just last year, you know, um, and they just let him go. They gave up on him. Um, to the six o'clock games that you guys wanted us to touch on the New York Jets take on the New England Patriots 11 to 8 about the Jets 6 to 10 about the Patriots 3.5 over a field goal is the spread 38.5 is the over under Mike this is Groundhog Day I know you want to speak about it we've seen the Jets. <laughs> every week is Groundhog Day with, with the Patriots um, we've seen the, we've yeah, seen this, the Jets the this to me them. is fascinating because they're both coming off a of bye week so they've obviously they're going to have you know lots of time to prepare for each other um they they know they know what each team can and can't do uh and you you kind of know that they're going to come after wilson you know zach zach wilson is kind of the key to this game but but i think what doesn't get looked at and that's why i was surprised the spread was over three is that mac jones has not been very impressive since he came back um playing very hesitantly uh, the Jets have a, a really strong defense, especially up front, which is going to make it tough for the Patriots to run the ball the way they want to, to, to give Mac Jones a play-action game. Um, the Patriots' prehistoric 
play calling combination of Matt Patricia and Joe Judge um, doesn't seem to be able to stretch things against most defenses, and the Jag- the Jets defense is going to give them lots of problems. So uh, I'm I'm really te- I'm tempted very much here to go on the three point five to the to the Jets. If it went much higher, I, I might even be more tempted. Um, I also think that the thirty eight five over under might be vulnerable because of defensive touchdowns, <laughs> not wow. because I have much faith in in either team uh, offense, although the Jets do have a couple of big play players. The Patriots don't really have a big play offense at all. Yeah, but the Jets have a quarterback that could throw it straight into the lap of a number of Patriots players exactly. at any given yeah. moment. Exactly. Um, uh, John, how do you see this one going in a, a short and snappy? Yeah, uh, I think last time they played in week eight, the Patriots, they just shut down the uh, the running game and Zach Wilson threw in that game 41 times. And that's not a that's not a recipe for success this weekend. So the Jets team, you know, they are the best they've been in, in several years. Like the, they beat the Bills, but what I've got written down here, Kieran, you like this line. They beat the Bills, but they're not going to beat Bill. So I'm going, <laughs> I'm going uh, I'd take Patriots even with the points on that one. So, what was it, three and a half, I think? Three and a half. Three and a half, yeah. so far. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, fresh off their first feed of the season, the Philadelphia Eagles head to the Indianapolis Colts, uh, who obviously had a quite was a sort of a historically famous victory at the weekend. Saturday's <laughs> child is full of woe. Um, <laughs> it is a one to three about the Eagles. The Colts are 23 to 10. 6.5 is the current spread, and the over-under is uh, 44.5. Um John, you want to talk about this? Uh, yeah, I know yeah, you like I'm... the Eagles, and obviously the, Matt Ryan coming back in. Yeah, Matt Ryan coming back in seemed to be quite a, a, a an easy choice to make, really, from what we saw of uh, the the other guy that they played uh, for uh, the Colts, yeah. the quarterback. Yeah, yeah. Was, wait, was that was he injured or was that a was, no? That they that was a bench. They benched him. Yeah, yeah, insane call. I read actually some stuff in the lead up to the game from people who were around the Colts, mm-hmm. and. They said that they, they could not understand the benching of Matt Ryan, who was playing quite well. They, As you said, Mike, it's a quarterback-centric league. Yeah. And the owners and the upper management seem to think he's too old and he's the whole, this is the reason we're not doing well. Well, and he had made some, you know, he wasn't convincing at all. I, 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 I didn't Feel better than what you got. I didn't argue. Well, that's the point. You know, once you saw it, Sam Erlinger, it, it, you know, after the first game, during that, you, you realized he was in over his head. Mm-hmm. And you 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 know you'd almost you'd rather have a, a quarterback who at least can can tread water when when he's when you know when everything is is going badly. They had Jonathan Taylor back last week as well, which makes a huge difference to them um, because it makes the offense two dimensional instead of one dimensional. Remember they traded Naheem Hines away um, yeah, as well. Yeah. So you know, I John, you I kind of like Phil- I kind of like Philadelphia here, and I'm sure John. Like yeah, for I, I like Philly in this one as well. I think it's. I am curious to see how the how the Colts look on a kind of a more after a few weeks of this and like I mean, see if this Jeff Saturday era is a thing or not. He's you know hundred percent record as a head coach, so that's it's kind of what you want for in the NFL. And and should I note as well, he's two hundred to one for NFL Coach of the Year. So in case, you see that. <laughs> <laughs> which is that's a, it's ahead of Todd Bowles, it's ahead of Matt Lafleur, it's ahead, like who would have seen that coming at the start of the season? But anyway, I digress. Um. Yeah, the Colts did look. I won't. We just actually just talked about it right there. The Colts they looked, you know, decent enough. Uh, and it, like Matt Ryan is in there making you know twenty yard runs and stuff as well. But it's interesting to see him as a a new rushing quarterback at the ripe old age of thirty seven or thirty eight or whatever he is. But I think <laughs> beating the uh, I think beating Josh McDaniels Raiders is you know I think I think the Raiders you know he made Derek Carr cry I'm just saying yeah, I only saw that last night before I went to bed it's like Derek Carr they he really he, there seems to be something going on in Vegas like Derek Carr and a couple of the other veterans I think Devontae Adams said it as well that they have no blame whatsoever for Josh McDaniels but uh that there's some players in the locker room that haven't bought in and he kind of just he threw them under the bus anyway that's another digression uh yeah I think beating like as beating the, the the Raiders at the Colts did last weekend, you know the Ra- the Raiders are among the top or the worst three teams in the league, so that's going to be you know e- easy enough to do. So it's going to be an entirely different uh, thing this weekend when they take on the Philadelphia Eagles, who will be smarting a little bit after dropping their first game of the season in a bit of a surprise, as we know, to to the Commanders. But yeah, I think they will find out. Like the Eagles, some of their 
uh, frailties are beginning to show a little bit. We talked about it on last week's show that the run defense and they're looking like a little bit, bit of an issue, especially with um, Jordan Davis, their defensive tackle out injured. I'm not sure how long he's gone for. So that is something that potentially Jonathan Taylor could take advantage of. But even still, the, the Colts run game has not been as good as we would have expected. Uh, they're 25th in the league in yards per carry, which for having the consensus like just to talk about fantasy for a second Jonathan Taylor was the consensus first pick across almost every league and here he is not performing as everybody's expected so I think the Eagles are better everywhere in every department than than this Colts team well we'll see if if Jeff Saturday can sort of galvanize them to a good performance but right now there's no way to look at this game other than the Colts at minus six and a half yeah I think Davis comes back in December um did you see that Matt Ryan run it it was like one yard for each year of age I think he got (laughs) like 38 or 39 but the way the defenders just weren't even expect they weren't even considering that he could run. Yeah, there were all these defensive backs who were just standing there watching him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he was guarding some guy. Yeah. <laughs> and then gone. and then Duran Harmon misses him, which is even better. And the announcer goes like, "What a great block by whoever it was!" And he barely touched Duran Harmon. Duran Harmon just bought the fake and flew past it. It was it was insane. And um, before we go on to game of the weekend, I want to just give you a little reminder that during the World Cup, you can get all the latest tips and betting news to. Delivered straight to your inbox every match day morning with our betting.betfair World Cup newsletter. Just head to betting.betfair.com to sign up today. The World Cup just a few days away, gentlemen. Uh, we, 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 we went deep into the season preview, so I, I'm going to go to game of the weekend, if that's all right with both of you guys, mm-hmm. which is the Kansas City Chiefs taking on the Los Angeles Chargers. It is one to three about the Kansas City Chiefs, the LA Chargers, who we spoke about a little bit there, 23-10, 6.5 is the over-under. 50 points is the spread. Now, of those players, Chewbacca, I think there's a chance Mike Williams. Turns. 50 points is the spread. <laughs> I'll, t- I'll take the Chargers plus 50. Um, I think they might have someone back. Yeah. But obviously, that's always been right now. You're looking at, at just Eckler, really, as they're they're out, which is a yeah, that, that, that's that's the, the, the problem there. And uh, six and a half is. This is when I when I as I go through and write these down, I, I kind of don't look at the spreads and try to guess them. And and I was guessing that seven was was what it was. And so you know, if that moved to seven, I'd be I'd probably be interested in the charges. And if it was seven and a half, I'd probably be taking taking the charges. But I I can't see Kansas City losing this game. And I wonder if that fifty is optimistic on the over over under. And I know normally you would say 50 with these two teams go over. Um, but under the circumstances with the chargers, I'm not sure you can guarantee that they're going to do their, their share of that over or under. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tough one to go. Um, KC John have a little bit of a habit of, in my opinion, letting teams stay in the game. You know, they, they kind of like they go ahead and then they take the foot off the gas and, then they just let teams stick around. We saw you. You mentioned the Raiders are not a great side. Shall we say Raiders nearly beat them in a Monday Night Football only a couple of weeks ago? So they, they tend to let teams stick about. That's true. I wonder is that I'm only thinking about that now. I suppose I wonder is that down to like overly offensive play calling and you know playing a slightly riskier game and putting themselves in opportunities where they can give the ball away or you know I, yeah that's interesting. Um, but with regard to Eli, I don't. Just looking at these two teams, you know, it, it, like a lot, you, you you nailed it there, Kieran, in your intro. I think that a lot will Thank depend. You. A lot will depend upon uh, if the Chargers get some of their offensive weapons back, because yeah, they're clearly a good team. And uh, Mike mentioned earlier that Justin Herbert clearly is a very good quarterback. Um, but you need people to throw to. You need, you know, Eckler is a fantastic option out of the, out of uh, from the running back position, um, but you can't run your entire offense through him. That's gonna that's too difficult. And they have like. When Williams and Allen were out, you know, you were thrown to Joshua Palmer and things like that. And that's just not really a recipe for prolonged success in the National Football League. So I'm kind of leaning towards the under 50 on this one as well. But Mike, the, the way I'm kind of looking at it is that would be because of a lack of trying by Kansas. Uh, I think that the Chiefs will win this one by a, a decent enough margin, but it probably won't trickle past 50. So under 50 in this. Great. Yeah. When you were speaking there, John, I was reminded of the great prophet Giselle who said he can't throw and catch the ball after a very famous Super Bowl loss by Tom Brady. <laughs> and she was correct. She was correct. Her. Yeah, yeah. She was correct. Noted NFL analyst Giselle. 
<laughs> uh, we we got through that one pretty quick. So, John, I'm going to come to you for the last game we're going to look at, which is Steelers Bengals. Mm-hmm. Um, you you wanted to speak about this one. Let me just scroll up and get the uh, betting for you if I can find it. Cincinnati Bengals are four to nine. The Pittsburgh Steelers are nine to five. Four point five is the spread. Forty point five is the over under. What you like? What you see in this? I think Steelers Pittsburgh showed a little bit of life um, last weekend against you know another team that we talked about as underperforming this year, the New Orleans Saints. But I think there's no kind of coincidence that you know when you get TJ Watt back in your in your unit, things are gonna things are going to improve. Now I think this is an interesting one from uh, the odds standpoint that um, the that Cincinnati are favorites going to Pittsburgh. And in my little kind of in the research I was doing yesterday evening, I discovered that Mike Tomlin, as a home underdog dating back to 2007, is 17-3-3. Three three. So he, he performs pretty well or his teams perform pretty well in these types of situations. And like we said, Watt is a great player. There looks like Fitzpatrick, Nicky Fitzpatrick is out. So that's that's a thing as well. But I still, when you, when you look at any Cincinnati Bengals game, you, you, well, you have to, you write the variable into the equation about how little the Bengals O-line can protect Joe Burrow. And uh, that just seems to be a consistent thing, no matter what they do, no matter what they try, no matter how they try and adjust the scheme. It's just, it's present almost every single week. Um, and I think that'll be there again. So I think, uh, you know, I'd be, I'll, be, I'll go I'll go with Steelers on, on this one. I think, the, yeah. Nice. I, I, I was actually kind of flip-flopping back and forth on this one quite a bit. Even, even now I'm kind of second-guessing myself. But yeah, I think... I like the Steelers on this one. Uh, after a win last weekend, getting a, getting a few players back, starting to look a little bit better. And I just think that the Bengals, while a great team, their the blueprint is there on how to beat them. So I think Steelers can take advantage of that, particularly in a, in a division rivalry game. Sometimes all bets are off in that sort of situation. So you can look to the underdog in this one. Excellent, excellent. Well, I'll, I'll let you two just have a little think there about what your best bets will be while I remind everyone uh, that the National Hunt season is well underway. And if you're a fan of racing, we've Racing Only Better and Wade In. Racing Only Better every Thursday and Wade In every Monday. Football Only Better is back. The World Cup preview show uh, took place last night. I know lots of you have already listened to it or checked it out on our channels, including streamed on Twitter and is now up on YouTube. But if you haven't and you're looking forward to the World Cup, uh, do check that out. And tons of specials on the Betfair Sportsbook and Exchange over the weekend as we head into a real cracking period. But uh, do check out uh, the the World Cup preview show. It's, 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 it's a really good listen. You've got Patrice Ever on it, you've got Glenn Hoddle on it, you've got Kevin Hatchard on it, and you've got uh, the betting guru man himself, Mark O'Hare. He's got some cracking tips there. Um, Mike, your best bet won last week. I know mine did. Uh, mine did. Much. So we'll go to you first, Mike. Oh, I thought you were going to put John on the uh, on the spot there. Um, is Washington still even money against Houston? Um, on the spread, no. The Washington Commanders are six to ten. Houston are eleven to eight. Three point five is is okay. Uh, and Minnesota was evens, I think. Um, yes, Minnesota are evens. Straight up. Yeah. Five to six Dallas, Minnesota Vikings. Uh, even yeah, money. that's a very tempting um, bet. The, and Minnesota's actually home dogs to Dallas. Um, they're giving they're giving them a point and a half. But a safer bet is probably is probably to look over in the Cincinnati Pittsburgh game at forty one five. Forty point five now. Yeah. What well, party? Forty point five. It's come down a point. I'll take it. Even better, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Okay, Uh, well, I'm very glad that you didn't touch because the Vikings are mine. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, oh, Kieran, how does that feel? Huh? Uh, Um, Well, that's good. He didn't pick it in the end. He didn't pick it though. No, but it's not. I mean, this is best bet. So you know, but it's nice that you're getting an endorsement. You know, or I'm I'm getting an endorsement, however you want to look at it. So that's good. Um, It shows as well that I'm not a Dallas Cowboys fan, which has been thrown at me sometimes. But um, yeah, Vikings are at home. They're playing quite well. I'm surprised they're on there. You can get even money on them to win a home. Yeah. In the satchel, lads. Um, John Balfe. <laughs> uh, I was trying to look something up there real quick. Uh, okay, I, I have to... I've, Save I have the a, pornography for post-show, John. Yeah, I have a runner-up that this is not my best bet, but it's something that I think is worthy of mention, is that in the um, Buffalo-Cleveland game this weekend, which is in Buffalo, there is, and as my as my role of the of us, of us three in the podcast of, of being the weatherman, I should note that there is a good bit of snow uh, oh forecast God. forecast oh for God. Buffalo this God. weekend. I've seen some estimates uh, say, suggesting as much as two feet of snow. 
which could, you know, why are you looking at the weather forecast in Buffalo? Because it's very important factor in <laughs> the, the betting. It's very important <laughs> to the Cleveland Browns. Exactly. So like in any other situation, that's a, a situation where the, the Bills beat the brakes off the Browns. There's no uh, no two ways to think about that. But what I will say is that there's if this is a big snow game, it's a lot of weather, look for the under on this one. And the under, the over-under in this one is 42 and a half. So yeah, look, that's just an option. But my actual real best bet is, oh, in this kind of maybe even a slightly riskier one than that, it's the over 50.5 in the Chicago Atlanta game. And I just think principally, I must admit a lot of that is just down to how impressive Justin Fields has been in the last, like the last two weeks have been brilliant, but even going back a month or five weeks, he's been very, very good. Um, and somehow this Bears team have gone from an offense, couldn't, you know, they couldn't put 14 points on the board at the start of the season. And now they're one of the most high powered offensive units in the league. Then we'll see, is that a temporary thing or is that just what this team really, really is? And they've kind of- Apparently the Bears- identity. The Sorry, Bears are the. I was looking at that game pretty pretty closely, and because you know Atlanta have been good, were good value for a few weeks in terms of of the spread. They yeah. were, they, were um, thinking, yeah. they haven't looked very good offensively, which is the one thing that kept me away from the fifty five. Because I'm not sure Atlanta will will contribute to the the points, but the problem Chicago were the first team in NFL history to score twenty nine or more points three weeks in a row and lose all three games. Oh wow. Yeah, and and the problem is that when the games remain close late in the game, Fields can't be the drop back passer you need in those situations. Um, you know, he's basically scrambling for most of those yardage he gets running. It's not even like designed runs the way Baltimore um, or Philadelphia play with with their quarterbacks, and and that's it's not a sustainable um, offense, although. He's made huge strides, you know, and, and um, I'm, you know, does he get there as a, as a quarterback who can drop back and throw when you need him to do that? I don't know, but but certainly he's a lot of fun to watch. Okay, excellent. Well, there are three best bets. And thank you, guys. And thank to our listeners once again joining us. A reminder to please do gamble responsibly uh, this weekend and every single weekend. And, of course, a reminder, you probably don't need a reminder, though, that just before the NFL Sunday, the World Cup starts. Um, so do check out Football Only Better. I would review, I would preview, see, I'm getting confused myself, a preview <laughs> of all of the games. We're basically previewing all the matches. So do subscribe to the channel and you'll get that from the lads. Uh, thank you, John Baff, for joining me. You're thank you, welcome. Mike Carlson. Yep, I'm. I think England are are um, minus three point five in there. <laughs> they, they will be against Iran. Um, join us next week. We'll have our Thanksgiving show. Thanks for listening or watching. We'll see you next week. Bye for now.